afternoon, or evening, wherever or whenever you are, ladies and gentlemen. This is Sports Crunch with D. Crom. I'm your host, David Cromwell. Since winning Super Bowl 50, the Denver Broncos have faded into irrelevancy. With four consecutive seasons missing the playoffs, three consecutive losing seasons for the first time since Richard Nixon was in the White House, and above all, an ugly, chaotic ownership dispute that is likely to result in a sale of the team in the near future, the once proud and stable franchise has mostly looked adrift. However, a promising young core of players, a rock-solid coaching staff heading into their second season under head coach Vic Fangio, and above all, a potential franchise quarterback at Drew Locke who helps lead a strong 4-1 finish to the 2019 season, Broncos fans are feeling more optimistic than they've been in quite a while. How should the Broncos utilize the 2020 offseason in order to put themselves in the best position possible to turn this optimism into reality? Joining us to answer that basic question and a whole lot more is Joe Rolls. He is a terrific X's and O's analyst who covers the Broncos for MileHighReport.com. Welcome to the program, Joe. It's great to have you with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. You're very welcome, Joe. And uh, let's start off with the big news that hit Broncos country yesterday. When the Broncos traded the fourth-round pick they acquired from the 49ers in the Emmanuel Sanders trade to the Jacksonville Jaguars for quarterback A.J. Boye. It was a move that, at least on the surface, makes sense, given that Boye likely would have commanded a higher salary if he was released, plus the fact Chris Harris Jr. is likely headed elsewhere in free agency. What are your thoughts on this trade, and based on what you've seen and studied on film so far, how much does A.J. Boye bring to the Broncos' secondary? So there's one thing to kind of bring bring up here first. Uh, the fact is the Broncos secondary last year kind of went into survival mode after losing both Bosby and Callahan. And what that what ended up happening is they had to move Chris Harris to what essentially became a matchup role where he was following around the number one wide receiver for most teams most of the time. Uh, and then he struggled. And because of it, everyone kind of thought he was washed up and he's going to go. Uh Moving forward, I think it's important to note that most teams don't actually ask their cornerback to do that anymore. Uh, Champ Bailey, everyone remembers him doing it, and then everyone remembers Darrell Revis. But most teams in the league do not do that. Most defenses use a left corner, a right corner, and then a nickel. And then they'll they'll change it some based on matchups and their opponents, but usually that's how it's assigned. And then, uh, so I think Boye, kind of circling back to him, I think he's a great addition. It seems to make sense. I've only watched two games so far, so I still got a ways to go. Uh, I've just kind of been juggling a few things. But from what I've seen, I think he's going to fit into essentially as a boundary corner, and he'll be it. He'll probably be Denver's number one corner in that role. And I think he's able to do it. He's not quite on the same level as Byron Jones, but he's good in trail, so he's good at being up in press. He's able to play off, and he can match up with people. He played pretty well against Michael Thomas, and he he did well against Cortland Sutton by and large. So I think speed might be something to look for with him because I don't think he's quite as quick as Jones and maybe, I mean, definitely not Darius Slay. But I think Denver could do a lot worse at their CB1. Oh, that's a very, very good point. And let's uh, talk about free agency because free agency, uh, it officially begins uh, two weeks from today. But it really begins 12 days from today when the so-called legal tampering period opens and the Broncos will be a flush in salary cap space even after the A.J. Boye trade. But let's pay attention to some of their in-house free agents that they might try to sign. And of all of the Broncos' in-house free agents, retaining all-pro safety Justin Simmons, who absolutely exploded last season and asserted himself as a star at his position, that's the team's top priority. 
and all sides points him getting the franchise tag next week by the March 12th deadline. But that said, every player who's received the tag under John Elway's stewardship of the front office, they eventually ended up getting a long-term deal subsequently. Do you anticipate a similar outcome with Justin Simmons, or do you have a feeling this case could be different? I would be shocked if Justin Simmons does not get an extension before training camp opens. If he doesn't, I'm going to be pretty nervous just because at that point he's playing out a one-year deal and he's only going to make more money in 2021. So I think he gets re-signed, though. I think they're going to franchise tag him to buy Elway time. And then after they kind of figure out what they're doing with free agency in the draft, they'll end up signing an extension with him over the summer. Yeah, that's exactly what most people covering the team expect as well. So Broncos country, you shouldn't be too nervous if they use the tag on Simmons. It's mostly to buy time, not to force an unfair deal onto onto the player. I think they come to a reasonable price uh, for Justin Simmons. That makes sense for both him and for the Broncos uh, going forward. And some other notable Broncos coming out of contract include Derek Wolf, Shelby Harris, and Will Parks. Which one of those three should the Broncos resign in your opinion? I think for what they're looking to receive on the market, I don't think they should bring any of them back. And I know that's probably not what a lot of Broncos fans want to hear because everybody loves Derek Wolf and everybody loves Will Parks. But the thing is, Shelby Harris is reportedly looking to make more than $10 million and the Colts are very interested. Derek Wolf is now meeting with a, a number of teams, including the Bengals, the Patriots, the Ravens. And he's looking to make money. And I get it. And I totally understand it. But at his age and with the mileage he has on his tires and just the medical history in general, I don't think it it would make sense to sign him for a big guaranteed contract. I think it'd be risky. Uh, And then Will Parks. The thing with Will Parks is Will Parks was a really good nickel for Denver once he settled into that role. But playing for Vance Joseph's defense the year before, Will Parks was looking like a secret superstar. And I think a team like Arizona or Joe Joe Woods with Cleveland, they're probably going to offer him a six to seven million a year deal. And I don't think he's worth that to the Broncos because he, he's not a, a perfect scheme fit for Fangio. But for a traditional NFL defense like uh, Vance Joseph's or Joe Woods would be great. And so I think he's going to be gone. That is a very interesting take. And I definitely agree with your point on Will Pars. But what about Shelby Harris? What makes him not worth bringing back? I like him a lot. The, the problem with Shelby Harris is everything I've looked at with Shelby Harris is he's not quite as disruptive as a pass rusher. As he, as his overall totals looked, a lot of his sacks came on the because of uh, the pressure that Von Miller created. He had a lot of pass defense, but a lot of that was happening because he wasn't getting to the quarterback. So I think he's a great player, and I expect him to do well wherever he lands. But I don't think he's necessarily the best way to invest resources in the defensive line this offseason. And I think he's going to be making at least $10 million, probably more. Absolutely. And one team that has been linked to him for quite a while is the Indianapolis Colts. So they're looking for a lot of help on that defensive line. And I forgot to mention another in-house free agent uh, that is slated to hit the market uh, in a couple weeks. And that is Connor McGovern, who did a admirable job at center uh, the past uh, season in, in particular. Um, what makes uh, Connor McGovern worth or not worth keeping, in your opinion? If it was up to me, I think I would try and keep him. I There's enough dispute about what he's going to make on the market that it might actually make a lot of sense for Denver to let him test the market and see about possibly uh, matching the deal. Uh, I thought he played really well. He was one of the two linemen that played for Denver that both performed well and actually played the entire season. 
the the one problem with Connor McGovern is because he's both guard and center versatile, his market may very well be higher for other teams that think of him as a guard than it is for Denver who wants him as a center. So I think letting him test the market and possibly seeing they can match the offer makes the most sense. But I, I do think if he does that, there is a chance that somebody's going to offer him a lot of money. So, Yeah, that uh, is uh, one player for the Broncos to monitor as well uh, in free agency. But let's talk about outside free agents now. At the moment, what outside free agents do you anticipate the Broncos signing? So there's been a few reports and a few rumors in the last couple of days, mostly from Benjamin Albright of KOA. And yeah. I, I tend to trust him quite a bit. So this is something to keep an eye out for. What he's basically saying, because and he's also said for a while now that Denver does plan on buy, buying defensive help while going into the draft to add offensive help. Uh, the reports from Albright were that Denver's looking at defensive linemen. They're looking to possibly take another uh, cornerback, maybe another lineman, uh, offensive lineman, and then maybe a linebacker. Yes, indeed. Going off of that, what I believe from other things I've heard kind of in the last few days DJ Reader from the Texans or Michael Pierce from the Ravens would be the guy that they would bring in for the defensive line. They would bring size and the fact that Reader, especially Reader, also offers something as a pass rusher. Uh, Michael Pierce would be kind of a role player to fill that role if they can't get. Or, uh, but yeah, Michael Pierce would be somebody to fill that role if they can't get DJ Reader. But DJ Reader would be the ideal fit because he also is a pass rusher. If they're going for offense, the big one that came out on Wednesday is that Mike Remmers is being released from the Giants and Denver's reportedly interested. A lot of people were kind of down on the move just because he's not an he's not a he's not a sexy name. And plus uh, Vaughn destroyed him in the Super Bowl. <laughs> yep, yep. And, and I remember that and I get it. But the thing is, you gotta remember Von Miller is one of the two or three best edge rushers in football. He's gonna destroy a lot of people. And Mike Remmers is a swing tackle. And what that means is Mike Remmers at, at his best is a tackle that you can kind of live with, but he's not the guy you want at right tackle. But he can play as guard. And if Denver can get him for something reasonable, he patches a hole that they currently have that they were relying on Elijah Wilkinson to do last year. And that Wilkinson, they were hoping to have him as a potential guard as a backup to Ron Leary and maybe competition for Garrett Bowles. But then when they lost to Juan James, he had to play right tackle. And Elijah Wilkinson's not cut out to play in space. Mike Remmers is a little bit better than that. And if they can get him... That means that they're not going to have to desperately reach for a tackle in the draft. So it would make a lot of sense if they can get him for the right price. Oh, absolutely. And also Mike Remmers played with the new offensive coordinator, Pat Shermer, um, who we're going to talk about in a bit uh, when he was in Minnesota, I believe. Yep. He played He played for Pat Shermer both when he was in Minnesota and Shermer brought him to the Giants. So it makes a lot of sense from that. Uh, the other offensive lineman that I think could potentially be on Denver's radar if he becomes available is B.J. Finney from the Steelers. He was the backup to Marquise Pouncey for a while now, so he's definitely comfortable with Mike Munchak. Uh, it's also worth noting that if Denver doesn't do anything at center and just lets Connor McGovern go, they may very well believe in Patrick Morris, even though we haven't seen much of Patrick Morris. So I wouldn't panic if Denver doesn't do a whole lot of the offensive line other than maybe bring in Remmers. Uh, as far as cornerback goes, I still believe that Prince of Mukamara is going to end up on the Broncos. I'm going to be surprised if he signs anywhere else just because Fangio kind of saved his career. At one point, Prince of Mukamara was a first-round bust. He signed a prove-it deal with the Bears back when Fangio was the defensive coordinator, and it turned him into a $10 million, $10 million a year cornerback. And 
after Fangio leaves, he went. He had a good year last year, but he didn't do enough to keep his contract. But he could go back to playing with Fangio, and he could shine again. And then I do believe Denver is going to keep an eye out and see if they can re-sign Devontae Bosby for less than what the tender would be. But they want him to see what the market is. Yes, and linebacker is another uh, area they could look. And there have been two names that have been linked to the Broncos uh, on the linebacker market. One is uh, Joe Schobert um, of the Cleveland Browns. The other is another former Chicago Bear, Nick Kwiatkowski. A lot of Broncos fans are screaming for Schobert, but you prefer Kwiatkowski. And uh, based on what I've seen personally, I think Schobert is definitely much better in coverage, which is where they're lacking at the linebacker position right now. And Kwiatkowski, I don't think, is too good in coverage, and he would kind of be a little too redundant to what they have. Why do you prefer Kwiatkowski? A lot of it comes down to cost. I, I think if they sign Joe Schobert, what they're going to end up having to do is find a new home for Todd Davis or cut him. Whereas if you sign Kwiatkowski, essentially what you do is you're bolstering the depth at linebacker. If he can beat out Todd Davis, you have your new starting linebacker for now. And it still gives Denver the potential of if something happens in the draft where they they have the opportunity to draft a linebacker Fangio wants going forward, they can upgrade the position. And I think that's what Troy Rank was kind of hinting at when he said that Fangio said linebackers in need, but it's nuanced. I think what they're going to try and do is they're going to try and play the short game, but also look to improve the, the unit over the long term. And Kwiatkowski fits that better just because in the in the in 2020, I wouldn't be surprised if Joe Schobert is a better player. But the problem with Joe Schobert is he's, he's going to make more than $10 million. And here are some of my notes. I studied him in 2018. I did not study last year's tape of his. But from everything I've heard, 2018 was his better year. And these are some of my film notes because I watched him for uh, the Scouting Academy back when I was in it. I gave him a three out of seven as a run defender at the point of attack, which means that he's adequate, adequate. He's not average. And my notes said he's, he will overrun plays. He anticipates and get, gets caught out by blockers against gap blocks, which end up me. It means he doesn't leverage his, ang, his, uh, his hole very well. He, uh, he doesn't leverage to help, which means that he ends up making it harder for other defenders to get to the ball. He'll overrun the ball carrier, and he gets out of control, which hurts his ability to tackle in space, and the film is littered with these. Against outside runs, I gave him a two, and that means he's marginal. So he's not good at defending outside run, and that worries me. And yeah, I I agree. He is good in coverage. I gave him a five for zone coverage, which means he's good. I gave him a four for man coverage, so that means he's solid. I just don't think it's worth the price, and I don't think he's going to justify what they pay him. So Kwiatkowski, at least he's a, he's a short-term fix in the idea that you can now draft either somebody this year or next year, and you don't have to overpay Todd Davis once his contract's up. Yes, and as uh, Mike Mayock, uh, the current GM of the Raiders, said at the Combine last week, this linebacker class of the draft is deeper than many think. So uh, I think uh, maybe signing a guy like Kwiatkowski for a very team-friendly price and then uh, getting a long-term answer in the draft potentially as early as round uh two, if not round three, um, would make a lot of sense. Yeah, and that's the thing. The top of this linebacker class, everyone's kind of expecting uh, Patrick Queen, Kenneth Murray, and Isaiah Simmons, obviously, to go in the first round. But it's not necessarily a given yet. And I don't, and I haven't gotten to studying the linebackers in this class yet because I wanted to hear what Fangio had to say about them, but that's pretty close to the top of my list now. I would think I like Patrick Queen a lot. I don't know how he takes on blocks well enough to play in Denver's scheme, but if Denver feels comfortable with somebody like a Joe Schobert, 
they could get a Patrick Queen and they'd feel a lot better about it, I think, going forward. Yes, and you also mentioned a free agent that the Broncos and several other teams have their eyes on reportedly, and that is DJ Reader. But uh, word has it that he's going to cost at least $12 million per year. And last season for the Texans, he only played like 57% of the snaps. Why would such a player, as good as Reader is, uh, be worth that kind of price if he only plays uh, 57% of the snaps or so? I think he's able to play more, for one. But the big thing is with defensive linemen, you're putting them in a rotation. Ideally, ideally you're not playing them more than 500, 600 snaps in a season. And Fangio in his past, I've looked at this before, Fangio does play linemen quite a bit. If they can ball, he's going to play them. But what's encouraging with DJ Reader is over the course of his career with the Texans, as he's gotten more reps, his production's only improved. So I think he could take a step into a bigger role and not necessarily will. So, and the other thing is he's versatile. He's he'd be able to play as a five technique, uh, like defensive end, like Derek Wolf or uh, Shelby Harris in Denver's base three four. But then when they move to the nickel, he'd be able to slide into either a three or a one technique, which gives them an interior pass rusher who's also very big, because that's one of the things that Denver was lacking last year on defense that they kind of played around. But it is an issue going forward is that last year when they were in the nickel, they had Shelby Harris and Derek Wolf most of the time, and neither one of them were 300 pounds. DJ Reader brings that, and he brings the kind of size to eat gaps like that. And uh, moving on to another topic here, and outside of the A.J. Boye trade, the biggest move the Broncos have made so far this offseason was parting ways with uh, offensive coordinator Rich Scangarello and hiring former Giants head coach Pat Shermer in his place. And you seemed, uh, to my recollection, initially skeptical about this hire. And while caution is obviously recommended, uh, since nothing is a guarantee to work out, whether it be in the NFL or in life in general, are there any legitimate reasons to believe that Pat Shermer could very well be the guy to develop Drew Locke into a legit starter and make this Broncos offense into a much more fearsome unit? I think so. It all comes down to Drew Locke himself. Uh, Just because you never really know, uh, but this offseason is... Kind of the key offseason for Drew Locke. If he's putting in the work like everyone thinks he is, he should hit the ground running in training camp. And he definitely has a very, very high ceiling. What's encouraging with Pat Shermer is Pat Shermer has already done a lot with uh, with Case Keenum. And he helped Daniel Jones look a lot better than everyone expected him to last year. So he definitely runs a kind of offense that's quarterback friendly. And what, what should help Denver going forward as long as they can get the personnel for it is they're going to be moving to a more modern NFL offense from the Kyle Shanahan offense where instead of running 50-50% of the time and passing 50% of the time, Denver's going to move to a lot more three-receiver sets. They're going to pass 60-65% to 65% of the time. And he runs a simplified West Coast, West Coast offense. And then with Mike Munchak on board, the running game should be effective as long as they can upgrade the line. The one area where I really worry about Shermer is probably in the red zone just because – what I've seen on tape, Shermer doesn't use as much motion as Rich Gangarello and definitely not as much as Kyle Shanahan uses. So I'm, I'm kind of wondering to see about that because I personally hate end zone fades. I don't think they're very effective. Uh, but I do think Pat Shermer as an offensive coordinator, I think his ceiling is a little bit lower than Rich Gangarello's could be, but I know his floor is higher. Um, and we'd kind of dealt with that a little bit last year's. There was times where Rich Gangarello has really great designs, but he'll call a play that doesn't make a whole lot of sense on certain, on certain downs. I don't think Pat Shermer is going to do that near as often. Uh, And I think the offense that he's going to be bringing in does fit the personnel Denver has on hand a little bit better. So I think that's good. And that should help Drew Locke. 
And which player uh, do you think will have the biggest leap under Pat Shermer in 2020? No fan, without a doubt. Uh, when I think last year, honestly, when Denver went into the draft, I believe personally, and I don't have any reports to suggest this other than I just believe it based on kind of how they use Noah Fant. If they could have gotten TJ Hawkinson at 10, they would have. Because TJ Hawkinson fits the George Kittle role better than Noah Fant does. He's a better blocker. He's a better inline player. Noah Fant kind of profiled last year as Evan Ingram. He's a he's essentially a very big receiver. And in Pat Shermer's offense, that's what he's going to do. He's going to be a move tight end a lot. And they're going to use him more as a receiver than they're going to use him as a blocker. And I think that fits no fans game more. So, and again, as long as he kind of puts in the work this offseason, I think he could have a huge breakout this year. Oh, absolutely. I was uh, thinking the same thing. And uh, we're going to sound our simpatico alert here. Doop, 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 doop. Uh, we were simpatico there. Uh, Noah Fanta, he definitely is a very similar player stylistically and in terms of athletic measurables to Evan Ingram, who uh, Pat Shermer coached uh, with the Giants these past couple years. And uh, Evan Ingram, uh, even uh, in injury marred seasons, he was extremely productive. And Noah Fant, who. Uh, had a much better rookie season than I personally anticipated, uh, having 41 receptions and two uh, games of 100 or more yards and uh, four touchdowns, uh, or it, it was probably it was three. Uh, beg your pardon, three touchdowns. Uh, now I remember, but uh, he um, has an excellent opportunity to really uh, augment those uh, stats uh, this season with Pat Shermer, and he is Joe Rolls, ladies and gentlemen, milehighreport.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Joe Rowe underscore NFL. That's J-O-R-O underscore N-F-L. And now, for the best part of the program, we are going to do a mock draft, a full seven-round mock draft for the Broncos, thanks to our friends at the Draft Network and their mock draft machine. And we're going to start the draft right now. And uh, let's see who is on the board. And uh, trades are available, Joe, since you'll be making the picks. So just want to let you know that that option is available anytime you wish to use it. All right, Joe Burrow, Jeff Okuda, Chase Young, Jedrick Wills. Um, board is uh, falling as uh, pretty much most would anticipate. Hmm. Oh, my goodness. I don't think this is going to happen on draft night, but Jerry Judy... Javad Kinlaw and Henry Ruggs are all available here at 15. What do you do here? So I'm assuming that we signed the free agents that I was talking about earlier uh, with DJ Reader being one of them. So if Denver gets G DJ Reader, I don't think that we would have the same priority for Javon Kinlaw. But because I didn't do anything at receiver, I would be looking to take a receiver. And I believe that Denver should take Jerry Judy. Uh, but, and this is the caveat because I'm thinking about it now, I'm actually going to go with Ruggs because there's a there's other players that could be available in the round two or three that could essentially be a Jerry Judy type. There's not going to be another receiver in this draft class that can do what Henry Ruggs can do. Yeah, that's a very good point, and um, word has it that Henry Ruggs is indeed one of the Broncos' top targets in this draft, and they are considering moving up to get him if he falls past a certain point. So Henry Ruggs is the pick here at 15 for the Broncos. And uh, so as the uh, mock draft machine goes uh, to uh, round number two here, uh, we have... Uh, uh, let's see who is, is uh, still available right now. Um, 
Ooh, we, we might have some great names available here. Up, uh, interesting scenario here. We got J.K. Dobbins here at 46. The Broncos, I know, met with him at the Combine. Denzel Mims, who I interviewed at the Senior Bowl and one of your favorite receivers in this draft class who absolutely tore it up at the Combine is still here. As is uh, Jalen Rager, although if you get rugs, you pass on Rager because uh, uh, he's they're the exact same play style. But also Clyde Edwards-Alaire, one of my personal favorite running backs in this class, is still here, as is Trevon Diggs from Alabama, A.J. Terrell from Clemson. Uh, Brandon Ayuk from Arizona State. Lots of good options to choose from here. What uh, what tackles are uh, available? All right, let's asking. see with tackles. Uh, Prince Tegawanogo from Auburn, Isaiah Wilson from Georgia, Matthew Pert from UConn, and Ezra Cleveland from Boise State. Although I think Ezra Cleveland's going to be going sooner than this, based on I did, what I do too. Uh, but I'm I'm going to take Mims just because I have Mims a lot higher on my board than the second round. And we now have a three-receiver set with Noah Fant that I feel very, very good about. Oh, same here. And uh, the expectation is that the Broncos might double-dip at wide receiver with their first five picks all in the first three rounds. And if you could get Henry Ruggs and Denzel Mims to team up with Cortland Sutton, Drew Locke has some playmakers. So Denzel Mims, you are our pick at 46. So we start off with Henry Ruggs in the first round at 15 and get Denzel Mims in round two. At 46, oh, that would be a heavenly haul. I'm just curious, uh, if the Broncos got both of those receivers, uh, how would you celebrate? <laughs> I, yeah, I'd be dancing. I'd, I'd spend the rest of the draft dancing. Oh, I probably would too. And uh, now uh, let's uh, go to the board again. We are on the clock. And the top-ranked guy on the board is Ashton Davis. The safety from California, although uh, unless the Broncos don't reside Justin Simmons, I think it would be too much of a redundant pick. Uh, we got Ezra Cleveland uh, still on the board. Willie Gay Jr., linebacker from Mississippi State who tore up the combine. Bryce Hall, who you like a lot here, is still on the board, a cornerback from Virginia. You all, We also have, uh, let's see, uh, Troy Dye, who, who you also like at linebacker from Oregon. I really like Devon Hamilton. Uh, from Ohio State, he's still here. And uh, Zach Moss, running back from Utah, is also uh, still available as well. But what would you uh, do here? I would take Ezra Cleveland first. Yeah, I don't blame you because uh, this could be the last year for both Garrett Bowles and Juwan James in a Broncos uniform, and you have to pick a potential successor in well, round three at the very latest, in my I, opinion. I wouldn't be surprised if once – the draft network does their next update. If Ezra Cleveland's a top 50 guy either. I oh. think, I think uh, most analysts that came out of the combine, they're having him float into the first round now. So if, if obviously if Cleveland wasn't here, I would then be looking at Bryce Hall, but since he's here, I can't say no to him. He's too good. Oh, thank you for that context there. And yes. And let me add that Tony Pauline of the uh, pro football network. Uh, he reported that, the Cleveland Browns will consider trading down and taking Ezra Cleveland in the first round uh, should uh, the top three offensive tackles in uh, Tristan Wirfs, Jedrick Wills, and Makai Becton be gone by 10. And uh, also the Los Angeles Chargers are rumored to have interest in Ezra Cleveland in round two or late round one by trading up to go get him, especially since they just traded Russell Okung to the Carolina Panthers. It would make a lot of sense for him. Absolutely, but in this case, Ezra Cleveland falls all the way to 77 in this mock, 
And the Broncos got a potential offensive tackle of the future in Ezra Cleveland. So, so far we've got Henry Ruggs, Denzel Mims, and Ezra Cleveland. And at 83 overall in the pick the Broncos got from the Steelers, um, Aloe Gilman, defensive back from Notre Dame, Daryl Taylor from Tennessee, Sadiq Charles from LSU, although we just drafted tackle, he's got character concerns. Rashard Lawrence, a defensive lineman from LSU, although a reader could nullify him off their board. Darnay Holmes, a very fast corner from UCLA. Eno Benjamin, a running back who can catch the ball out of the backfield, which is a mandatory thing in Pat Shermer's offense, is still here as well. And one of your favorite linebackers in this class, Troy Dye, still available. I'm going to take Darnay Holmes first just because I think that is a need in the long term. If we sign Prince of Mukamara, I think that means that we can ease Darnay Holmes in the lineup. But Darnay Holmes is going to be the long-term starter on the either the nickel or the boundary. Yeah, Darnay Holmes it is at 83. And uh, the Broncos have their third and final pick of the third round coming up at 95 overall. That is the third-round pick that they got in the Emmanuel Sanders trade. And... Uh, the Broncos are really looking at running backs hard because uh, it's not a slight against Philip Lindsay, but they need a better complement to Philip Lindsay because Royce Freeman certainly hasn't panned out. And uh, it wouldn't be a shocker if they went running back in round three if one they really loved was left. And so the running backs here are Eno Benjamin and uh, Zach Moss from Utah are still left. But uh, let's see who we also have what, here. What do we have as far as guards? Oh, guards, uh, interior offensive lineman. Uh, Logan Stenberg from Kentucky. Uh, if you think the Karras could play guard, which many people don't, uh, he's still there. Tyler Biotish from Wisconsin, although he's more of a center. And Damian Lewis uh, from LSU or Shane Lemieux from Oregon are still available. Okay. And then uh, what are the, uh, what linebackers are there, if you don't mind me asking? Uh Evan Weaver, Akeem Davis-Gaither, who I really like, Joe Batchy Jr. from Michigan State, Marcus Bailey from Purdue, uh, David Woodward from uh, Utah State, just to name a few. I would take Akeem Davis. Akeem Davis-Gaither? Yeah, Akeem Davis-Gaither. Um, I know he's undersized, but again, if we're looking at Joe Schobert and if we're looking at for linebackers who can play in coverage – he kind of brings that. I like Marcus Bailey, too. It's kind of between those two. Uh, but I, as of right now, on this side of me studying the linebacker tape, I'm taking Akeem Davis-Gaither. Uh, just to let you know, Logan Wilson is also available, although I expect his uh, number to rise on the Draft Network mock draft machine in the next couple weeks. Uh, do, do, would you take Logan Wilson over Akeem Davis-Gaither? Uh, not yet, no. I want to study him first, but right now I would take Akeem Davis-Gaither. Akeem Davis-Gaither at 95, it is. So to recap our picks in the first three rounds, Henry Ruggs, Denzel Mims, Ezra Cleveland, Darnay Holmes, and Akeem Davis-Gaither. That would be a dream haul for the Broncos. It likely won't happen, but if they just get one or two of the players on this list, I would really, really be pleased personally. And I'm sure you would as well. And at pick 108, and keep in mind, uh, the Broncos originally had two picks of the fourth round. Now they only have one as a result of the A.J. Boye trade. And uh, uh, some interesting names still available. Bradley Antney from uh, Utah, an edge, another edge. Alex Highsmith from Charlotte, if you want more depth behind Von Miller, Bradley Chubb. Antonio Gibson still on the board, a Memphis running back. Um, 
Kenny Willicks, if you want a defensive line uh, from Michigan State, Tyler Biotish and Damian Lewis are still on the board as well. Or if you want another running back, uh, Anthony McFarland uh, out of Maryland. Um, Or Shane Lemieux from Oregon. I'd take Damian Lewis if I could. Yeah, what do you like about Damian Lewis' game? I think Damian Lewis needs a little bit of work on his pass protection. But if you get if you can build up his pass protection, he's going to be an NFL starter for the next decade probably. I think he he has one of the highest returns on what you could possibly get this far down the draft, and he played right guard, so he'd be a seamless fit on that side. Yes, especially with the right guard position open for competition now that Ron Leary is uh, going to be released. So Damian Lewis is our fourth round pick the, for the Broncos. The, uh, the other pick I was th- the other player I was thinking about here is Antonio Gibson, just because. He's a freak athlete, he's big, and he can catch passes. And that, to me, there's a pretty high chance that he's going to step in the league and be a pretty good player. It's just hard for me to pass on Damian Lewis, but if he wasn't there, it would have been Antonio Gibson. Yes, and let's uh, make sure our listeners uh, hear another important point uh, in the context of what we're doing. Uh, the TDN mock draft machine still does not account for the compensatory selections, which have not been released by the NFL as of yet. And the Broncos are expected to receive two, if not three, compensatory selections. So uh, these aren't all the picks the Broncos will have at their disposal headed in to April 23rd in Vegas. And we are on the clock again now at 161. And uh, let's see, we've got uh, a safety from Ohio State, Jordan Fuller, want to improve that depth behind Justin Simmons and Kareem Jackson. Uh, McTelvin Ajim, a defensive lineman from Arkansas. Another safety from Georgia, JRE. Javelin Gidry, who ran a super fast 40 time from Utah, is still here. Uh, if you want a running back, Darrington Evans from Appalachian State. Or LaMichael P. Ryan out of Florida. Or I love this safety, Terrell Burgess from Utah is still on the board. And also uh, Keyshawn Vaughn from Vanderbilt is still on the board. I'll go Burgess. Yeah, Burgess, he's so versatile. He could play every position in the secondary, and I think he could be a potential long-term replacement for Kareem Jackson, who might not be with the Broncos in 2021. Um, What do you say to that? Oh, yeah. I mean, the thing with Kareem Jackson is Kareem Jackson has one year left on his deal, and we know he'll be here in 2020. But in 2021, Denver actually does have an out if they have a replacement in mind. And Terrell Burgess could potentially play as like a safety backer or a safety like in the box as a nickel uh, in the short term, but potentially down the road, they could move him back. Um, I'd like him. I like Kavon Wallace out of Clemson, but if Kavon Wallace is gone, Terrell Burgess is one of my other guys that I really like later down the draft. Yes, and he told me at the Senior Bowl that he sees himself more as a strong safety, so uh, he's definitely a candidate, if drafted by the Broncos, to be a long-term uh, successor at that position for Kareem Jackson. We are approaching our final pick here very shortly in round seven. All right, uh, five, four, three, two, one. We are now on the clock once again, and... Uh, if you want a gadget weapon, we got Lynn Bowden of Kentucky that's still available if uh, you think you could play some snaps at running back. But we also have Darius Anderson uh, out of TCU. Uh, and uh, this guy is going to go much sooner. James Lynch, a defensive lineman from Baylor. Uh, he's going to go much sooner than that. Uh, so the draft that we're definitely has to update their board here. Or, uh, 
Uh, we already drafted a linebacker, but uh, David Taylor, a local town from uh, CU Boulder, is uh, still available here. Um, what will be our final pick of this mock? I'm going to take Jet Anderson. I uh, like him a lot. I think I think he could be a surprise day three running back, and he fits kind of into that rotation with Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman. Yes, and how does he complement Philip Lindsay as well as complement Royce Freeman in your view? He brings hands. Uh, he's more of an answer for that third down role than those two are as of now. Uh, the thing with Royce Freeman is Royce Freeman shows the ability to be a solid receiver. He's an okay blocker, but he, up to this point in his career, uh, he's been a little bit of a disappointment as a runner. And part of that is when Denver drafted him, they were running more of a zone scheme, which would have been a better fit for him. And now that they run a hybrid scheme, uh, Royce Freeman doesn't really, he hasn't really capitalized on that because he's not really a gap runner. And also, he doesn't finish runs as as much as well as you would expect him to for a back that big. And then Philip Lindsay, and maybe it's the wrist injury, or maybe it's just that he hasn't really done it a lot. But he hasn't proven himself as a receiver up till now. And as a rookie, he was a pretty good pass blocker. Last year, he was okay at it. Uh, so hopefully, a Darius Anderson kind of lessens the need to get a third down back. And in the seventh round, that's that's ridiculous value. So yes, uh, day three is the day to find running backs. Please, John Elway, don't overdraft another running back. And let's recap our mock: Henry Ruggs at fifteen in round one. In round two, we double dipped at receiver with Denzel Mims out of Baylor. Uh, even though this guy is going to be gone long before the third round, Ezra Cleveland was our first of three third round picks for the Broncos at seventy-seven overall. Then UCLA corner Darnay Holmes at eighty-three. We got our coverage linebacker and Akeem Davis-Gaither from Appalachian State, 95. We got our interior offensive lineman, our potential right guard of the future, and Damian Lewis at 108 overall. Terrell Burgess, a potential replacement for Kareem Jackson, had strong safety out of Utah in round six. And last but not least in round seven, our third down back, if not more, in Darius Anderson out of TCU. Joe Rolls from MileHighReport.com. Follow him on Twitter at JoeRoe underscore NFL. Thank you so much for joining us, Joe. And that's it for today here on Sports Crutch. But we'll be back in just a few days with more coverage as the 2020 NFL offseason with free agency and the draft starts rolling into high gear. So stay tuned. But in the meantime, be sure to check out the episode archive as well as my blog at SportsCrunch.com. And remember, that is Crunch with a K. And if you enjoy these podcast episodes, please consider leaving us an iTunes review and donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash sportscrunch so we can improve our iTunes ranking and afford to produce even more shows with awesome guests like Joe. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at dcrom 59 For Joe Rolls, this is David Cromwell saying so long, and as usual, stay awesome.